Hey, there, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for tuning in again to this experience podcast. I'm so used to saying Dillis Victoria. So Dillis Victoria and Dillis Experience podcast is like a tongue twister for me. Yeah. Anyway, this is how I want you guys to know how I start off my day. So that is some zouk and compa mixed up with some reggaeton. Um, I am half Haitian, half Belizean, and this episode is telling you my story. So I was born in Harlem, New York City, and um, my mom at the time was not with my father. They were not together, and um, I didn't meet him until later on in my life. And my mom was having such a hard time with, you know, having a new baby and trying to find work. So she made a gut-wrenching, hard decision um, and sent me to Belize when I was two weeks old to live with my grandparents. And they picked me up at the airport. And I could only imagine um, the heartbreak of making such a decision to make sure that her kid got all the things that she needed and wanted and she would send money to me back home in Belize. So, you know, I don't have to want or need for anything. And I was raised by the most loving grandparents a girl could ever dream of, ask for, pray for, whatever the case may be, they're amazing. And my experience with being a daddy's girl started with my grandfather because I was a daddy's girl with my granddad. He was, um, such a light and such a protector and a provider for the family. And I never, felt unsafe, always felt safe, always felt like a princess, you know, that kind of way. And um, my mom came to get me when I was about four, five years old, and she brought my little sister. And I didn't recognize my mom because, like I said, she sent me when I was two weeks old to Belize. And it was very hard for me to understand who this woman was and what the heck she wanted with me. And I thought that my grandparents were my parents. And so, you know, I got connected with my little sister who was um, a couple months at the time. I think she was like five, six months, I think. So, you know, uh, long story short, came back to New York with my mom and I was walking in the airport and I never seen an escalator. And I, I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> And so I sat on the escalator and they had me in this pretty, pretty, I think it was a yellow dress, if I can remember. And I ripped my dress sitting on the escalator because I had no idea what the heck that was. So I get to where my mom stayed and that was my first encounter with my first stepdad. And um, that was very interesting because I thought this man was my father. You know, was, I was confused at the point where I, I left my grandfather who who I thought was my father. Nonetheless, you know, years went by and I had hardships with my mom. I feel like me looking like my dad really took a toll on her because they were not together or whatever the situation was in a relationship at the time. And my mom was very harsh with me. She was very rough with me. And looking back now at 43 years old in hindsight, I could only imagine the heartbreak and hardship she had to experience growing up and being so young and not prepared for life. And so, you know, I had to come to a place of forgiving my mom 
for just the, the hardships, you know, the beatings and, and just the taking things out on me. And that pretty much led to me being abused by my uh, first stepdad. And it was a very harsh um, pill to swallow, if you will, because while I was going through the situation of abuse, which I'm not really going to get into, um, I had an ex a spiritual experience, if you will, that I just, my soul, my spirit just came out of my body and I was watching myself go through this process of abuse. And I just became instantaneously numb and disconnected and detached from life. And, you know, it's so funny how when you're going through something so trivial and so tragic and so traumatic that you instantaneously, if you're a positive person, you instantaneously become negative. You become dark. <clears throat> you become just black and bitter. And that was me. So from the age of like seven till around, I want to say 30, 33, 34, I've always been on a downward spiral where suicidal thoughts were concerned. I became a hypochondriac. Like I thought I had everything under the sun. <laughs> And um, I was on this vicious cycle, like I had no self-love. And when people would tell me that, you know, I love you, Dillis, I wouldn't believe it. Or I would be like, oh, thank you so much. However, I didn't feel what that is because just being abused and having a traumatic experience. And I didn't feel like my mom loved me. I didn't feel like she cared about me. There was one point where I felt like I was um, adopted. And it was extremely hard for me growing up because it's like, you know, here's this family and I had to kind of, you know, morph and fit into this family. And then I met my dad around 10, 11 years old or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I felt the same way, like he already had his family, his kids, and I was, I found myself fitting in all over again. So I created the spirit of being an outcast, I created a spirit of not belonging. And I felt so invisible at that point in time. And I, I didn't fit. Like, I didn't know where I fit in the world. I felt alone, even though I had my grandparents who loved me, my aunts and uncles that loved me back home in Belize. And I have to thank my mom for sending me to Belize because I experienced unconditional love, like pure love, safety, um, peace and calm and not having to need and want for anything because I always had love around me and I just felt as if though that was like the greatest blessing my mom could have done for me because when I was going through you know depression and anxiety from abuse um, you know I've never sought I never lost sight of that gift of unconditional love and the experience of just being around loving people and I feel like if I didn't go on that journey from two weeks old <clears throat> to four and experiencing that if if I had been abused before then I would have been all types of fucked up I think I probably would have been on drugs I would have been six feet under I would have been worse than how I was granted being abused in that way um especially when it comes to sexual abuse I chose to continue abusing myself and I wasn't holding myself accountable and responsible and I just started creating more trauma and more karma for myself and I became extremely manipulative and I was the I don't care girl I don't care about this I don't care about that 
and it showed. And, you know, I just allowed men, I gave my power and permission over to men to abuse me, you know, where sex was concerned. And I just didn't care. And even when I was having sex, I just felt so numb and just disgusted with myself. And I would just block it out. The next morning, I would wake up as if though it never happened. And that was my life. And, you know, um, I don't think I was looking for love. I was just, it was just something to do because I just needed to feel that, that continue to feel the, feel the detachment and the disconnect. And once I started getting close to someone and feelings started popping up, the feelings felt abnormal. They felt weird. They, they felt strange. And I was just like, mm, I don't want to feel that. And I would self-sabotage. I would self-sabotage. So my life from the time I was, I don't know, 16, I just went through tumultuous relationships. Even though I'm a long-term relationship type of girl, I was with my first real boyfriend from 16 to 19. And then after that, I was with another guy for like a year. And then I met my first ex-husband and we were together six years. And that was a tumultuous relationship where I went through having two miscarriages. I had a baby for a lot of me at five and a half, six months and I had to catch it before I fell into the toilet. I mean, it was it was so traumatic. And then like three months later, I got pregnant again. I miscarried again. I gained weight. I mean, it was crazy. Um, divorced him. I had to file for bankruptcy because we were young and dumb and stupid and just spending credit card money all over the damn place. I had to do that. Um, you know, I lived in Connecticut. I lived in Chicago because I was trying to find myself like, and a lot of people say, you know, you're, you, you run from your problems. I don't think I run from my problems. I think I've always faced my problems. But the thing about me is I just felt like there was so much more of life out there, um, you know. And there was one point when I was married to my first ex-husband that became a flight attendant. And I traveled to almost every state known to man. And it was a great experience. However, I wasn't present at all. I was so numb and so disconnected. I didn't even enjoy my job. I didn't enjoy my marriage. I didn't enjoy anything. Like I was just existing and I kept on wearing different masks for different situations, for different people. And I, would, I just became such a people pleaser. Like everyone was priority except me. Everybody's needs and wants were like of most, it was priority. And so I just became that person and I, I always wanted to just fit in and I needed validation and I needed confirmation and I needed approval and I needed love. And, and I didn't know the definition of any of those words. I just know that I needed it and I wanted it because I felt like I didn't have it. But in reality, I did have it, but because of the trauma, the trauma and the traumatic experience, I just didn't realize it and I didn't see it. And, you know, the first time I went for therapy, I just felt like it was a waste of fucking time, <laughs> honestly. And I still speak to my therapist till this day. It's been um, to that, about 11 years now. I still speak to her from time to time when I need guidance and counsel and things like that. And I just realized in that point in time with therapy that I was extremely angry. I was angry at my mother. I was angry at my father. I was angry at my aunts and my uncles. I was angry. And I just, you know, felt as if though I didn't matter in no way, shape or form. 
And at that point, I met someone else that I went to school with um, back in the day, and we started a, a relationship, and that didn't work. I was living in Connecticut, but let me backtrack. Before that, <laughs> I met another person because I was just going in and out of relationships when I was living in Chicago, and um, I wouldn't even call them relationships, actually. It was just, you know, talking to people, dating, doing the dating thing, and um, I remember, yeah, this part, contracting gender warts. And that was like a scariest part of my life because I just, what the fuck is going on? And I was just, yeah, it was just devastated. So that happens and I was celibate for a year and, you know, getting treatment and all that kind of stuff there at that time. And then I met someone um, at an event <clears throat> and this person was just like, oh my God, he's amazing. He's this, he's that, that, that. And he came to visit me in Chicago. He surprised me, come visit me in Chicago. And then I ended up moving back to the East Coast with him a couple months later. We were just dating for a couple months and um, moved back to the to East Coast with him to Connecticut. And I want to say two weeks after we moved back and I transferred my job and everything, one day he was driving me to work. And I was just looking at apartments for rent signs. And I'm like, the fuck am I looking at for rent signs for? Like, my life is set. Like, I'm living with him. We're going to do this thing. And a couple of days later, he just got very distant. And he said that his ex had um, contacted him or whatever. And he started with the what ifs. And so I said, okay, well, you know, you need to go and have closure with this person. And then come back and we can just start our lives. So I went to New York. He went to Massachusetts. I came back and I asked him, how did the conversation go? And he was like, well, you know, I met up with her and I realized that I'm still in love with her. And that's the person that I want to be with and the person I want to marry. And I was just like, huh. And it crushed me. It crushed me so bad, so hard. And I'm like, I moved all the way from fucking Chicago to come and be with you. And this is what happens. And so I just had to just surrender to whatever was happening in my life and this tornado of a, of a shit storm that took place, the embarrassment. And, you know, he knew my family very, very well. And it was just, it was crazy. So I got on my computer at the time and I started looking for an apartment. I found an apartment. My mom and my brother came to help me move. And um, he just went on with his life and I went on with my life and I was devastated and with all that devastation I still picked myself up and I still went to work and I still did th still did the things that I was supposed to do because that's the warrior and the fighter in me warrior and fighter in me and then after that I met another guy that I went to high school with or school with or whatever I don't remember <laughs> or, no I used to work with him so we started our world with romance and I moved from Connecticut to New York and we started that relationship and I didn't realize that he has some type of bipolar disorder issue at that time. Hold on one second. He had a bipolar issue at the time. He had anger issues at the time and he would just lash out for whatever reason. And you know, it wasn't the very best of situations. And I just found myself just going, digging deeper and deeper into shit and stuff. And so I decided to end the relationship. We were supposed to get married. 
I got my deposit back from the hall and I kicked his ass out and he just got very, very um, angry and was contemplating suicide and this and that. It was just really crazy. And so that happens. And I didn't realize he left all of his negative energy, his anger, his everything he was going through with me in the apartment, which we lived. And I went into a deep, severe depression. Like I was a functioning depressed person. I would go to work. Hi, how are you? How's everything going today? But deep down inside, I was like, Ugh. and so, you know, was drinking every night, just watching movies and allowing this energy of depression and suicidal thoughts to just take over my life, you know, and I'm a fighter, so I fought it. I just didn't know what the fuck was going on. And so I went back to self-sabotaging, having sex with this one, that one, next one, the other. And I met my, my second ex-husband at the time and, you know, it, it was cool. And we, we spoke to each other on the phone for like two to three weeks. We didn't have sex right away. And our first date, we did have sex and it was cool, but still yet, I was still numb and detached and disconnected. And he noticed certain things about me. The first thing he noticed about me was he told me, I believe you're a closet lesbian. I don't think you're aware of yourself. And mind you, my second ex-husband is 18 years older than me. So he's been there, done that, wise beyond his years type of stuff. And I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. He was like, yeah, you look at women way too long. Like, you know, you just don't gaze and say, oh, she has a nice pair of shoes or whatever. Like you, you really stare at them and you don't, you're, you're subconsciously doing it. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, the other thing he noticed about me, he was like, you have a sadness in your eyes. I don't know what it is that's going on with you, but you have a sadness in your eyes. And so we were talking about life and everything in between. And he mentioned to me just certain things that, of, of his past that had taken place. And I was already on a downward spiral. I already thought that I had all types of diseases and craziness going on with me because of just like, you know, not really handling myself with care where I was just self-sabotaging. And so we slept together and it was okay and whatever the case may be. And two days later, I woke up and I was on a train heading to my mom's just to hang out. And I was just like, oh my God, I've been sleeping with all these people and I slept with this person. And he told me his history and shit. I might have AIDS, I might have HIV, I may have this, I may have that. And it just, that thought just ruminated in my fucking brain. And I couldn't stop. It was like a, um, an addiction to negative thinking and becoming such a hypochondriac. I didn't understand why I was going down the spiral. And then I remember one night I was in my apartment and I just had the craving, thirsty desire to drink everything in my apartment. And something was telling me, you know, go ahead and kill yourself, end your life. Nobody will miss you. Nobody values you. You're not wanted. You are invisible to so many people. You know, you don't deserve to be here in, in, in this life. And I was looking at the perfume. I was looking at the peroxide, the alcohol, the detergent, the, 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 the bleach. <laughs> I was looking at every liquid I could possibly think of in my home. And the thirst was getting stronger. But something in me was just like, no, you have so much life to live. You have so much. You haven't even touched the surface yet. And that's when I, I realized that was my rock bottom. That was my rock bottom of all rock bottoms, that was my rock bottom. And I had to call my mom and I was like, hey, can you just put me in a cab? Because I feel like you're not gonna have a daughter in the morning. 
and that I was like serious as a heart attack when I told her that. So she came and she um, sent a cab for me and I went to her house and I was shaking and I um, stayed there and then I moved back home for a while to just get myself together, get my thoughts together while I was still dating this guy. And he was a great guy. My, my second ex-husband is a great guy. And so he uh, put me on to Lucinda Bassett, who is a, an amazing life coach. And then he put me on to, to Louise Hay, <clears throat> who I credit for saving my life in such an amazing, beautiful way, because with her motivational um, words and quotes and how she lived her life really, really did a lot for me. It helped me a lot because it helped me realize where I was. And he um, introduced me to affirmations and made me write affirmations every day. And then I just had this innate desire to um, write a letter to my little girl inside of me, the little girl that was controlling me because I was a grown woman, you know, but like impeccably healthy there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you and you know I had to stop that behavior and I just started doing my work and my work was forgiving oneself and looking in a mirror and you know and I didn't realize I was doing burn and release rituals at 32 years old and I just had a wake-up call one day like you're going to help a lot of people because of your story and your struggles and everything that you experienced in your life from this point forward. And so, you know, I did the work and then I moved in with my ex-husband and it was really good because he helped me a lot in so many different ways. So I thank him for it. Every single day um, that I was with him, I was with him nine years. And um, back in 2011 was the pinnacle point where I thought that I was like going to die because from January 2011, I just felt something in me like, yo, bitch, you're going to have a rough motherfucking year. This is going to be a rough year. And it started out rough. Like I had um, food poisoning and then I had a glass stuck into my foot from a broken candle. And I went to a salsa class one day and I pretty much did a step and I felt the sharp pain. So I went to doc, the podiatrist and he took out a glass out of my foot and he was like, you're like two inches away from this glass, you know, just sticking you in the, the, the nerve that goes to your heart. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I got pregnant again and I couldn't, conceived well not I conceived but I wasn't able to the babies were not developing because the fiber that I had within um my behind my uterus outside my uterus was growing and sucking up the life out of me so I had to have a DNC that year to remove the empty sack and it was hard it, it hurt like fuck anyone tells you a DNC doesn't hurt it hurts and I've had three in my life so I had the DNC and the DNC actually triggered the fiber to become infected. And then it infected 
to the point where I was having fever and chills and I didn't realize I had an infected fibroid in my body and I had to be rushed to the hospital after some time where I um, had to be um, admitted to the hospital. I was in there 11 days before the 13th day of surgery. I had eight antibiotics in and out my system. Two failed. They had to replace it. They had to put a catheter in me because I couldn't pee because the infection from the fibroid was spreading to my bladder. It spread to my uterus and I was going through constipation and diarrhea, throwing up because the food was fucking horrible. My blood count was at 13. It was really bad. And I woke up on the 11th day and I was gray and my lips were blue. And I was like, ha, huh. <laughs> I'm gonna die up in this bitch. And I sat there because I had no control over my body. And I was working hard, like just doing fashion shows, networking, doing the nine to five thing. And I wasn't taking care of myself in no way, shape or form. And that's when I had the wake up call. I had a wake up call. I had a reality check. And I promised myself, if I get out this hospital bed, if I survive this shit, I'm going to be responsible and take care of myself. And the other part about that is, is I was just going through the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I was a shoulda, coulda, woulda girl. Like I should have did this. I could have did that. I should have said this to this one. I shouldn't have been a doormat. And it was, it was really bad. But God of my own, um, my own understanding was not done with me. So I had my surgery. It was four fibroids taken out, went home, was healing. Three weeks later, I had this sharp pain in my side. And I'm like, the fuck is this shit now? Like, what is it? So went back to the hospital, found out my gallbladder was damaged beyond repair. So surgery number two was taking place while I was still healing from surgery number one. Plus I was planning my wedding to my second ex-husband at the time. And something shifted in me between those two surgeries and my whole perception and perspective of life changed. Like I started questioning and wondering and then my whole perspective on spirituality and religion changed. I shifted and I didn't realize I was shifting. So after having gallbladder surgery, two weeks later, me and my ex-husband got married. And even on my wedding day, I wasn't present. I wasn't there. I was still in pain. And I was questioning whether I should be getting married or not be getting married. But then to me, that was just a bowl of nerves. On your wedding day, you should be calm. You should be at peace. You should be happy. The sun should be shining. You should be smiling. And I was smiling on the outside, but like dying for dear life on the inside. Like what the fuck is going on? Like I was ascending and I was going through metamorphosis and I didn't even know what the hell it was, but it felt like at the time and I just did it. And so a couple months went by and I just had this innate feeling as if though like that of which he was telling me about me being a closet lesbian, my interest in women peaked at that point. And I was like, I need to do something about this. And for anyone that knows Dillis, Dillis is going to explore. She will experiment. She will take a risk. She will stick up, take, step out of her comfort zone. That's just the way that I'm wired. And I spoke to him and I was like, hey, I need to see this thing through. And him being the person that he is who loved me so much was just like, hey, you, you have to green light. You do what you need to do. So started exploring that part of myself. The first time I had sex with a woman, it felt like home. It was like, wow, this is what it fucking feels like. Okay, cool. And then I started comparing it to men and I was just like, nah, not so much. 
So long story short, I found this woman that I felt like head over heels in love with. And we did the polyamorous thing. I had a husband and I had a girlfriend and we all lived together. It was fucking crazy. And then the more that I spent more time with her, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was a lesbian and I had to make the conscious decision to A, come out to myself, B, come out to him, C, leave my marriage and break his heart. And all of those things had to take place. And I was mourning the loss of my old self. And then spirit started speaking to me strongly about leaving New York. Like, this is not where you need to be no more. And I just didn't listen at that point about it. So I left my ex-husband. I moved in with a friend. I went through my metamorphosis and my changes in life of accepting being gay and what that came with and all the judgment and the scrutiny that I had to prepare for from family, friends alike, losing family and friends and having to mourn the loss of those people and standing in my truth and my knowing and being okay with me and finally breathing, finally having some form of peace, finally experiencing what self-love looks like and self-forgiveness looks like and going through the process of not allowing trauma or you know my vicious cycle of self-sabotaging behaviors to take over again and it didn't thank god <laughs> and so when i by the time i turned 40 i came out i got two tattoos well three tattoos at that point when i was taught that you know you can't you know desecrate your body. You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, all that stuff. But I was like, fuck it, I need tattoos. <laughs> so anyhow, I ended up visiting Atlanta. I didn't like it. It felt like New York. And I just felt like I needed somewhere calm. And I was with my ex-girlfriend at the time and we had broken up and got back together, broken up this vicious cycle. And I was just tired of getting off. I just was tired and I wanted to get off the fucking emotional roller coaster ride. And um, something said Savannah, my guides, which now are my guides, but I was listening, but not listening. I, I didn't know that they were around me like th that strongly. And so I called up a friend that lived here in Savannah and I came to visit because I wanted to see how LGBTQ community was here in Savannah. I fell in love with Savannah on the third day that I visited and that was October, 2017. And I moved December 22nd, 2017. I met this amazing person, angel, God sent that was looking for apartments for me. Um, you know, fellow New Yorker, um, he's an amazing human being. And as soon as he sent me a picture of my apartment, I was like, oh my God, that's my place. And I moved and I came here and I started my journey of, you know, my spiritual journey. And I stepped into my spiritual birthright 20, the end of 2018, going into 2019, I met my wife on Facebook in a lesbian group. Um, a friend invited me to the group. I'm like, I really don't want to meet nobody. I don't give a shit about this shit. <laughs> and I met my beautiful wife, Sabrina. We started talking. We had a world romance and she really got me. She is an alpha female. I'm an alpha female. She's aggressive. I'm aggressive. So it works for us. I don't, I don't feel like I could be with a woman that is timid or shy because I walk all over her. I know me. And here I am now, 43, spiritual mentor, oracle, ancestral advocate, um, powerful, authentic, loving leader, experiencing 
love, self-love, self-forgiveness, and experiencing what it means to truly fall in love with another human being that you want the absolute best for them. And, you know, working hard every day of making sure that I am a success, affirming I'm, I'm a success personally and professionally, affirming my relationship with my, with my wife will continue to be successful and we're continuing to do the things that we want to do together and just living life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my story. Truly long as fuck, but I know. Um, but that's me. Whole, complete, beautiful, just the way I am with flaws, imperfections, and scars to go along with it to prove the warrior, the conqueror in me, the powerful being in me who I appreciate and I love Dillis Victoria every single day. And I chose to release certain identities of myself so I can grow stronger every single day. And I'll talk about that in another episode. So this episode was basically my story. So you can get a clear and better understanding of who I am and how to experience me, how to see me, how to feel me, how to connect with me, how to resonate with, with me and my journey. And maybe these are things that you may have been through without even knowing. And now you know, you know, maybe you'll have an aha moment. Maybe it'll be some form of revelation to you with me sharing all of what I just shared with you. And each one of these things that I shared, I will definitely be doing episodes on all of them to go in depth in what they are and how the process happens and so on and so forth. So thank you for tuning in to Dills Victoria. See, I did it again because <laughs> I'm always saying Dills Victoria. Thank you for tuning in to the Dills Experience podcast. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for opening up your hearts to me. Um, I know that I can be vulgar and very direct and brutally honest. And I know sometimes there's a lot to digest, but no, it comes from a place of love but no, it comes from a place of honesty and integrity and pure naked transparency to help heal, to impact, to change, to shift, to transform, to help you ascend into so many levels of your lives, especially people who are going through some form of abuse or trauma or are still experiencing the triggers um, of past trauma and what that's doing to you, what, how it's, it's, not keeping you present in, in your life today. You're here, but then you're living in the past or you're thinking about the future. So you're not happy in where you are right now in your life. Nothing makes you happy because you're not doing your uh, soul healing, your emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual, physical, psychological healing. Like it healing, like I said in my intro, is not a one-time thing. Healing is a lifetime thing. You will continuously heal until you take your last breath. And my wish for everyone, my prayer for everyone is that they do all of their healing before they leave this earth. They do all of their healing before they take their last breath. Because I don't want anyone to be a shoulda, coulda, woulda man or shoulda, coulda, woulda woman. That's the hardest thing to, you know, know that your life is coming to an end and you didn't do half of the shit that you wanted to do on that bucket list or the fuck it list, or the take action list, or the, or the kick ass list. I don't have to do list. I have kick ass list and um, take action list because I brainstorm, brainstorm, strategize, and I fucking execute. And that's what life is about. Brainstorming, strategizing, executing, falling, getting up, and do that shit all over again. 
So I hope that this warms your heart. I hope it, it lights a fire under your ass to get up and conquer the world. I hope that this helps you get up and, you know, fearlessly create the life that you deserve and know that you are worthy and you're beautiful, you're valuable, you're amazing and all those amazing things and don't allow anyone or any circumstance, any struggle, obstacle, hardship, any traumas, any abuse, any bad experience you've had to define who you are becoming. Love up on yourself and allow other people to love up on you. People who genuinely care about you, allow them to love up on you. So I hope this, this episode helps you to gain a little bit more information about me of who I am and how I flow and how I work and how I live how I smile, how I laugh, all of my emotions, everything that is me, my imperfections, my flaws, all of it, all of it that I'm sharing here with you on this, this podcast. So thanks once again for tuning into those experience podcasts. I wish you health, happiness, peace, spiritual awakening, higher consciousness and awareness and manifestation. And I hope that you are releasing and removing who or what no longer serves you, who or what is no longer working in your life, whatever that means, if it's from you or someone else, so that you can definitely experience this beautiful gift we call life. Till next time, guys, check, I'll check you out on the next episode.